Hello from sunny Adelaide. Uh, welcome to episode two of the AB Cards podcast, where I give you what are hopefully some helpful tips and approaches if you're new to the world of basketball card collecting. In episode one, I covered what types of cards you could look at collecting to help give you some focus and save you spending lots of money on cards you won't give a damn about in three months' time, and also the types of cards which may or may not or do or don't hold value. So if you haven't already, please give episode one a bit of a listen. I also said um a lot in the first episode, so I'll see if I can fix my podcasting technique in that area. So one of the main questions that comes up with people new to the hobby is what is the best way to start getting hold of cards? Which seems a pretty simple question, but given the price of stuff at the moment is a very valid question. So in this episode, I'll go through the ins and outs of boxes, packs, breaks and razzes or contests. And I may also cover uh, eBay and ComC or might leave that for the next episode. We'll see how we go for timing. Opening boxes is a big part of the hobby and provides a great deal of fun because it gives that tactile nature and rush of getting a big card out of a pack and uh, it is where the hobby really started and what what we all think about. It's also really good for us older folks who have kids, although you just need to make sure you're pretty careful uh, with the kids and the instructions and so they don't accidentally rip the head off for Zion Rookie Auto uh, and send you into the fetal position in the corner. So opening boxes is great, good fun. The negative is that you are highly unlikely to get value for money buying boxes, in my opinion, Uh, especially with the major rise in pricing in 2020, it's even worse than it used to be. Previously, you could get a box of, say, Hobby Court Kings for about 150, 200 bucks. And while you would generally only get 40% return on your money, I did a few sort of stats and count up myself after buying some boxes for a while. Uh, So if you're reselling the cards, you get about a 40% return. Um, It wasn't a ridiculous amount for the enjoyment. And one in every three or four boxes, you would get a good rookie auto or a low-numbered star card. So that was part of the chase. The prices of boxes now mean hobby boxes are, to be frank, quite out of reach for a lot of people. Because they're usually six, $700 plus. And the retail boxes, which may have one less autograph, aren't much better in regard to pricing. So people are buying blasters and hanger boxes, which uh, really have zero guaranteed hits or even numbered cards. So the chances of value for money are very, very low. There's also some cheaper products like hoops, which may be attainable, but for myself personally, I know that I don't put a lot of value on even low numbered cards from hoops. And often the autos are, autos are unnumbered, which I'm not a big fan of. So I tend to resist the temptation to buy hoops boxes, even though I see them quite a bit cheaper. Um, and generally they're the first released of a new rookie crop. So it is quite tempting, but I tend to stay away from it uh, until some of the other cards come out. But if you do want to bust a box, they are good to have because they generally have quite a few packs and it is, it is good fun to open those boxes. So if you are looking to just go through that process of buying a box and busting the packs and seeing what you get, yeah, Hoops is a, is a good one to go, to start with. And in regard to buying boxes, there's a few places in Australia where you can buy them. Here in Adelaide, I'll give a shout out to Sports Card World in Region Arcade, where Matt and the guys run a, a pretty cool little business. 
And also out north of Adelaide, I think it's Angerston, there's Bazinga Cards, which is a very small shop. But the owner, and I'm going to say Jeff, I can't remember his name, uh, does a great job in sourcing boxes and selling them at a pretty good price given where the market's at and given his buying capabilities compared to some of the, the bigger retailers. Uh, both of these stores have websites, so yeah, Sports Card World and Bazinga Card, so please check them out. Then you've also got the likes of Cherry Collectibles and I think it's EJ Cards in Victoria. They've both got bricks and mortar stores. And in WA you've got Just the Best Cards as a shop uh, and naturally websites as well. I'll also give a shout out to clutchcards.com.au because I bought a few boxes off there. I think they're in Victoria as well uh, and they generally have stuff at uh, reasonable prices. Individual packs. It is cheaper to buy individual packs. Uh, but my recommendation, my strong recommendation, is only do this from a retail store. If you buy a, a pack or three or four packs off eBay, or even in a reputable Facebook group, there's been you know, lots of members going for a while, there is a chance that the person bought a box, and say the, the box had 12 packs in it, they may have opened six or seven of those packs and got the auto or the, the hit from that box, and then decided to then use the remaining packs to sell to try and recoup at least some of the money they paid for the box. Uh, that definitely happens with a lot of eBay sellers. Uh, hopefully not so much in Facebook groups that we have here, here locally in Australia, but you, you should just be very aware that that's the case. If you go into a retail store, they'll open up a box and put it on the shelf, and they sell the packs just randomly from there. Uh, and if you if you've been there a few times, you know the owner well, or you know the people there well, if there's only a couple of packs left in, in the box, say, uh, you can sometimes ask, hey, is it possible to open a new box and mix them in? And so there's, that increases the chances of maybe getting access to a hit for packs. So packs are good because they're a bit more cost effective. Although some of the packs, are, like a prison pack, can be 100 or $150, which is just madness for four cards. But that, that's the way the cookie crumbles at the moment. Box breaks. Now, this is another way to get cards, and it's actually a, a fun way to engage with the hobby from a social perspective, because you can watch breaks live with other people, you can put up comments, you can just see the packs being opened and looking for, you know, hoping your team comes out. So the way they work is you buy a spot in a break. So it's usually 30 spots, one per NBA team, and the price per spot is the same for a, a random break. These teams are then assigned randomly, and you get whatever whatever team comes out. And sometimes, depending on the, the breaker, they'll give you a window opportunity to then do some trading. So you might you might say collect the Warriors, or you know, for myself, I collect Stephen Clay, so I prefer uh, Warriors uh, team in a break. I might have pulled the New York Knicks, so I might try and you know, put a tag of the person who won the Warriors and say, hey, do you want to trade Knicks for Warriors? And there's generally a window of opportunity to do that. The other type of break is a pick your team break where you buy the team you want with the price of that team generally determined by the number of cards or hits available in those boxes. And then teams with the high-end rookies or superstars will have, a, I guess, an extra kicker in there as far as the inflated price. So it'll be, so for, you know, for example, for 1920, if you wanted to buy the New Orleans Pelicans, that was usually pretty expensive with Zion in there. Whereas if you wanted to buy 
some other teams they can be quite lower so it's a bit of an offset uh, the good thing is if you have a PC player who plays for a small market team, you can often get that team at a good price. So you've got a chance of hitting a, a, a PC card if, you're, you know, if your team isn't one of the ones with some of the, one of the superstar rookies in there. Uh, assuming you do a random break, as they're the most common, you need to understand you are gambling, which you obviously do, but you also need to understand that you're gambling twice. So firstly, the team you're assigned is random, so you don't get a choice in that, that's a gamble, could be anyone. And then even if you get a team with good rookies or, a, or they've got a PC player of yours, so for example, again, let's say I've got the, I get the Atlanta Hawks, I collect Trey Young, so I get the Hawks, you beauty. I've then got a gamble of, will I get a Trey Young card? Or will I get some Jabari Parker, because he played for them for eight minutes at some point. So yeah, it, it, it definitely it definitely is a gamble, uh, and yeah, there's sort of a double gamble there. The upside of a break is if you go in one with a decent amount of hits and numbered cards, so that's something you should look for if you're going in a break, So, uh, and that's becoming more and more difficult. So it used to be that you'd go in a, what they call a case break, so it'd be 12 boxes, and it might cost you 70 or $80, but essentially across those 12 boxes, they'd have two autographs in each, so there'll be 24 autographs, and then there'll be numbered cards, so there's the chances of you getting, a, I guess, some sort of decent card was reasonably high. It was pretty good. Um, now, unfortunately, $70 might get you in a break for, say, two boxes. So, you know, that's only four autographs and less numbered cards, so it is a lot harder to find some real value breaks, but that's what you should be looking for. You should be looking for, I'm spending this amount of money, I'm essentially one in 30 as far as the teams go, and if you go in where's a one box break and that box has got one autograph in it on average uh, and it's a numbered, then you, you are taking quite a bit of a risk that you could be spending, who knows, $60, $70 and get absolutely nothing. But that's that's part of the game, I guess, if you want to do that. But back to the good good part of it. Uh, if, you, if you do go in there and you go on a good break, you can sometimes get a decent card that isn't one of your players. So you don't collect them; they're not part of your, you know, not the team you like or anything like that. But they're a, they're a good, it's a good player and a good card. So part of the upside of going in a break is you might get that, and then you're able to look at, well, do I want to sell that to get some money so I can buy a card of a PC player, or and or at least get my money back from the break. So I got to enjoy a break with, um, you know, for the cost of nothing ideally, or a bit of a profit. Or that that card you might be able to use in a trade. So for example. Uh, I got a Michael Porter Jr. Select Gold Rookie number to 10. So this was um, 18 months ago, which I later used to trade for a Steph Curry Downtown card, uh, which is a case hit, and it was a uh, graded 9.5 with BGS. So I think at the time the the break cost me $30 to go in. Uh, so that ended up turning into a PC player card of Steph Curry which at the time when I did it was worth $200. So I traded the Michael Porter Jr. for the Steph. We both agreed they were about $200 value, which is what they were at the time. Uh, and so I got that and I was wrapped. And now I'm even happier because that Steph Curry downtown BGS 9.5 uh, is about $1,000 and going upwards. So that's one of the benefits of going in the break and that it's not all about getting your team or your card for your PC player. You can also get a decent card that you can then 
use uh, later on. Uh, a major learning from box breaks that I had early on was uh, you should look at the boxes included in the break, so the, you know, look at the names of the boxes, and then go to cardboardconnection.com, or I think 130point.com does it as well now. But you can see the checklist, and what you can do is you can go through that and make sure your actual players are in that product or type of box. Because what you'll find is, for example, I collect Steph Curry. I might have said, I'm going to buy, I want to buy the Warriors in this pick your team break because I want to do that. But then I might have looked at the checklist and gone, oh, okay, well, for whatever reason, and I don't know what the reasons are, but for whatever reason, if it's, say, a totally certified box break, maybe Steph Curry doesn't have any autograph cards in the totally certified product. So then I'd have to rethink to go, well, that means my best case is, I'm, you know, I could still get, you now it might be a one-on-one insert or, or something like that, but... Um, I'm not going to get an autograph, so I can decide, well, do I want to go in that? Given the risks involved already, do I want to have a crack at that, uh, given that scenario? Next is razzes or contests. So what you might find in some Facebook groups is they're asking you to not use the word razz anymore. You should use the word contest um, for reasons that they would explain to you. So you might see contests or razzes. It's basically a way to see if you can win a card. It's similar to a box break, but it's it's for one card. So that actually makes it better, in my opinion, because your decision as to whether to go in or not is based upon that particular card. So as far as gambling and taking a chance with your money, uh, it's around that particular card. Uh, the razors are designed by a seller where they decide the value of their card. So based on comps, usually, and they usually have to um, put them up if they're over $100. And then they sell individual spots to people. So for example, if a card is worth $300, someone may have a RAS where they sell 10 spots at $30 each, which will include postage. So you pay $30 and you've got a 10% chance of winning that card. The downside of RAS, because they use a random number generator to work that out, the downside of the RAS, uh, as opposed to box breaks, is that with the breaks, you can miss out on the specific cards. But as I said before, you could pick up a, a card of yeah, Michael Porter Jr., like I said, that no, you, don't, you don't collect, but you still might get value out of that. As a general rule, I try and only go in raises where I have at least a 1 in 10 chance of winning. So that's just my personal preference. Uh, that helps justify spending the money and basically the higher probability of it being wasted. Having this approach, plus making sure I only go in raises with cards for my players that I don't have, so... I've had I've seen razors come up where it might be a Clay Thompson rookie card and it looks really good and it's great, but I've already got that autograph. I think, oh, should I just put in the $20 to go in a 1 in 10? But I think, well, no, I'm not going to waste that because I have the card. So, um, I, you know, I, I try, and, try and stick to that philosophy. Uh, I've helped to minimise the razors I go in if I do that. So that's good. So you really pick and choose your battles. Overall, I think I did I did some sums last year at some point. I've, I've probably entered about 30-odd razors, and I reckon I'm about even. So as far as the money I've paid out, where quite a few, you, know, you don't get anything, but then I've won some cards. So I'm about break-even, which is which I'm happy with, which is you know, what you want. So essentially, the money I've shelled out is I've got the value back in cards, which is the same as buying cards, but you know, for some cards, it'd be really good. So for example, I've won a Clay Thompson Rookie Auto, 
I've won a Damien Lillard Select Zebra case hit, uh, which has gone up quite a bit in value. Uh, I've actually won two Steph Curry Gold Standard autographs, which is amazing. Uh, and I've also, yeah, Steph Curry Red, uh, White and Blue Prism to PSA 10, which I got recently. Razzers also can provide a lottery type shot at monster cards. So really big ones that you just wouldn't have a hope of really shelling out that amount of money for. So for example, a Luka Doncic rookie auto might have 100 spots at $20 each. Using my 1 in 10 rule would mean spending $200 to go in it. But in this case, you might decide that you've got, you know, you've got 20 bucks in your PayPal. So doing a speculative bet, if you like, uh, means you've got a 1 in 100 shot of winning a Luka Doncic rookie auto. Uh, so you might want to do it and treat it something like you know, a bet on the Melbourne Cup. If you don't follow the GGs, uh, you might just decide, I'm going to put that on. My assumption is I'll lose, but there's a small chance that I could just win myself a ridiculous card for 20 bucks. So that can be a bit of fun uh, watching the, the random occur with that to see what happens. Uh, so yeah, so I might just uh, wind her up there. We'll do eBay and ComC in the next episode. So in summary, I guess I wanted to make it clear to the newbies coming in, all of these methods constitute a level of risk-taking in the card game. Uh, that's what it is. There's no getting away from that. So it's important you understand the risks that you are taking, just like in life. If you're going to take a risk and there's some reward, that's great, but understand the risk is there. And yeah, I'd highly recommend you just make sure you're happy to spend a certain amount knowing that you may not get the value you're after. And the value doesn't always have to be back in pure cards. Like I said, by opening boxes, some of the value is just the tactile enjoyment of going through that process and, and doing that. And that's what it used to be. It used to be fine. It's, it's getting harder now to justify that. Um, but that's, that's yeah, it's up to you to make that choice. If you've got the money available and you're happy to take the risk, based on the potential reward of hitting it, that can be great fun. But you just got to decide what specifically you should do. I'd recommend you decide, am I going to open boxes, or am I going to go in breaks, or am I going to go in razzes? Trying to do all three is could get pretty expensive uh, and probably not the best strategy. So that's it for episode two. Thanks for listening, and adios.